So we're starting today a look at uh, the Old Testament book of Jonah. I'm sure a lot of you know the story already. That's why it's really dangerous and uh, challenging because that which is familiar to us often uh, loses uh, impact or it actually could sneak up on you and um, well, uh, change you. So um, uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to look at the book of Jonah uh, beginning this summer is uh, in the days right after uh, 9-11, uh, in New York City, uh, this is the book that uh, Tim Keller at uh, Redeemer Press in Manhattan preached through. So I think that's it's a pretty important uh, marker uh, to, to look at and to think about. So uh, that's why we're doing that. That's why we're looking at it now. I think, you know, we're in the midst of all sorts of traumas, aren't we? And uh, are we coming out of them? I don't know. But anyway, um, uh, that's why it's good for us to, uh, uh, to look at what God says to us through this Old Testament prophet. So uh, we're going to begin that today. Uh, but before I do that, um, I'm, I, say, I say this every week. Before I do that, uh, uh, I'm going to pray and then we'll dive into the text. And somebody said, ah, pun, diving into the text about Jonah. So if you don't, if you don't get that, that's okay. You will fish. Anyway, uh, let me, uh, uh, let me uh, pray and we'll uh, read the text. Lord, we thank you today for loving us, for being gracious and merciful, patient and kind, gentle, true, just. Uh, Lord, we confess that uh, in many ways uh, we are not like that, we're not like you, and yet your heart is turned towards us. Uh, you care for us. Uh, the church is very dear to you. And so I pray that that would uh, animate and motivate us today, uh, that you would reorient us uh, towards, uh, away from ourselves, our concerns, uh, our righteous concerns, to your concerns. Lord, we need help with that uh, because we believe we are the judge and the center of what is true and what is real. And uh, your word instructs us that you are. So help us to come to that by your spirit today. Lord, we're glad that your word is alive, it lives, and your spirit applies it to us. And so would you do that today? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So Jonah uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3a. Text is in the bulletin also up on the screens behind me. This is God's word. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. Um, so what uh, if, if you grew up in the church at all, you're very familiar with uh, Jonah probably. You probably know the way the story goes, and uh, that's, uh, that's good. Uh, it's worth our time and attention to get back into this uh, um, and, and think a little bit this morning about what, what God might have for us as we, as we look at this text. Um, 
a couple of things. What I want us to do this morning to start out with uh, is to talk a little bit about Jonah in general, uh, just to kind of situate it for you and to think about kind of the big picture, and then we'll dig into these uh, first uh, three verses. So um, it's, it, this is an important book, and it's an important time for us. Um, it is uh, one of the things that you learn when you read the book of Jonah is uh, God's love for uh, his and our enemies, something that we don't do very well. At least I don't think we do very well. I, I, I'm, I'm not a great lover of my enemies. Uh, and it's hard for me to identify many people who are my enemies that I've made my friends. There's a few, but not many, right? So, so that's challenging. Uh, but the other thing about it is that is, is profound about this is that's a good thing to think about. And that's a good focus for us to think, oh, I need to love my enemies. I need to love my enemies. But you know what? I don't want you to think about that. What I want you to think about is how in the world is it possible that this God could love me? So you start thinking about that a little bit, the other stuff will begin to fall into place. Um, so let's, uh, let's think a little bit about who Jonah was. You, you may not know this, maybe uh, uh, if, if you were reading this uh, in Jonah's uh, time, uh, you would have known who he was. Jonah was famous. Did you know that? He was famous. We read, uh, Nate, go ahead and put my notes up there. So we read over in 2 Kings, uh, in the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria, and he reigned 41 years. Remember, uh, by this time, uh, the, the nation of Israel is two, two nations, Judah in the south and uh, the nation of Israel uh, in the north. Um, and uh, uh, we read, we're, we're, we break in here into... Uh, in, in, into uh, 2 Kings 14, into that history. And so we read about this guy, uh, uh, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, actually Jeroboam II, and what do we know about him? He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the guy who founded the, the northern kingdom, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. What did he do? When, when, uh, after David died, uh, after Solomon died, the... Um, the kingdom split. And the reason why it split is because Rehoboam, Solomon's son, was uh, a nut about taxes. <laughs> and so uh, uh, Jeroboam I said, you know what, we're not, we're not, we're not going to go for that. And he broke off and started his kingdom in the north. And to do what you would do, what did he do? He decided that the way to kind of cement this and the way to, to make this happen is we don't want people going back to Jerusalem to worship. You know, worship is centered there in Jerusalem. That's in the south. That's in another country. So the way we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to change that. We're going to create our own temple, create our own thing. We're going to call him the Lord, but we're going to make him look like a golden bull. And we're going to worship him right here. So you don't have to go to Jerusalem. You don't have to do that. We've got our own thing right here. And there's a lesson in there about <laughs> what... Uh, Politically powerful people do with religion, but that's gone to meddling there. So, um, uh, but this guy, who's Jeroboam II, did not uh, depart from that. So he 
did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And so what you expect the next verse to read is, you know, terrible things happen. But what we read in verse 25 is, he restored the board of Israel from Lebohamath as far as the Sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant, Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath Hefer. Next slide. For the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter, for there was none left bond or free, and there was none to help Israel. But the Lord had not said that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, so he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. So, Nate, go back to the, to the first slide. So it's a, it's a pretty interesting thing to read about that, right? Because what we have here is an evil king who did evil in the sight of the Lord. Jonah comes and prophesies to him and says, hey, guess what? You're going to extend the borders. You're going to reestablish the, the military, political, economic strength of the country. We're going to, you, you, you know, this, this is going to happen. God is being gracious. God is being merciful. Nobody repents. We read nowhere in here that the nation repented. We read, we, we read nowhere here where, where, you know, when Jonah says, God is going to bless you, God is going to protect you, God is going to expand your borders, and great, we'll just keep doing what we're doing. We'll just keep worshiping this golden uh, bull and calling him Yahweh and the, the Lord, and this is what we're going to do. So it's a pretty crazy thing to think about. So, so imagine, you know, Jonah is, is popular because he gave a message that was nationalistically to the nation, good news. Hey, we're strong again. We're big again. We're, we're expanding our borders. You know, this, this is a great thing. So Jonah was well thought of, well known. He is God's prophet. God used him. God really spoke through him to do this. God was being patient and gracious and merciful to a wayward people. Isn't it funny how God does that? Right? Right? Would you be that gracious and merciful to a wayward people? Because, you know, we're going to get to that in the book of Jonah. <laughs> you know? We're going we're to talk about that. And so it is, it's, a, it's a pretty powerful image here for us to think about. So Jonah is, is well-known, well-liked. You know, he's got a, a following. Uh, everybody probably there in Israel knows about this. It's like, look at our power. Look at how strong we are. And Jonah is a part of that because he carried the message for this to happen, right? So it's, 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 Jonah's well-known. Next, next, uh, next two slides. Go, go to the next one. So... Um, but when we come to the book, it's very interesting because what, what we see here is this prophet, well-known, uh, uh, a truth-teller, well, well thought of, God comes to him, and we see Jonah do things in kind of two acts. The first act is he hears the call of God and he disobeys. We know that, right? He's, he, he, he doesn't do what God wants him to do. And then the, the, the second part of the book is in God's mercy and grace and patience, Jonah repents, and he goes, and he does what God's called him to do, right? And what happens is at the end of each of these sections, when Jonah is, finally comes to his senses, and when Jonah is sitting outside of Nineveh at the end of the book, in both cases, God is endeavoring patiently, kindly, gently to give Jonah a lesson in his character, God's character, about grace, 
right? And frankly, it's unclear whether Jonah gets it. He probably doesn't. The book ends with a question that Jonah never answers, right? What the book of Jonah gives a lot of insight into God's love for societies and people beyond the community of believers. Because what God's doing here is he is sending a preaching mission to people outside of um, outside of God's people. Now, if you read the Old Testament, what you'll notice is there are occasions, there are times in the big prophets like Isaiah and, and those uh, prophets where God has a prophecy for a nation outside of Israel, but you, you, it's very, it's, it's unheard of for God to take a, a, a prophet from Israel and send him somewhere else with a message specifically for those people, right? Secondly, let's talk about the fish, right? Uh, if you know anything about Jonah, you know, oh yeah, that's the, that's the book about the crazy fish that swallows the guy. So can't really believe that, right? Because you, you, there's, it's impossible, there's no fish in existence today that can swallow a person. Although if you Google recently, some guy somewhere got swallowed by a fish. Did you hear about that? I'm not making this up. I don't think he was in there very long. Fish puked him out pretty quickly. Uh, I understand humans don't taste good. So, um, so that, you know, poor guy, you know. Uh, but we think, well, this is just a quaint little thing in the, in the story, and we shouldn't pay any attention to it. Well, um, I went to uh, college and I graduated with a decent GPA. Not as good as my parents wanted, but pretty good. Most of you parents, you'd be happy if your kids had my GPA. I would have been happy if my kids had my GPA, <laughs> okay? Um, and I believe that God sent a fish that swallowed Jonah. Oh, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. How can you think that? Well, you know what? I'll do you one better. I believe a dead man got up after being three days dead in a tomb and walked out. In fact, that's the heart of my faith. That matters more to me than anything else. So maybe what you would say is, well, you know, we just don't believe that it's possible for for that to happen. Well, prove, that, prove to me it's impossible. You can't. So let's, you know, you want to play the proof game? I'll, I'll, I'll raise your proof to, to one more. I think, what's, I think what's really great about this is, um, I, I, we, if I were writing the story, I would have spent a lot more time on the fish because I think... That's like a Marvel comic kind of deal, right? That that would have gotten a lot more attention and, and drawn a lot. But actually, the fish is kind of a minor character. God's really the major character uh, in this story. But here's what I, 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 and I know this is crazy for people because I remember years ago, one of my uh, kids invited a hardcore uh, atheist friend that they were in school with to come here to church. And, and he sat right over there and he made comments out loud the whole time I preached. It was on Easter Sunday. 
And uh, uh, it's quite scandalous to, to my daughter. And uh, but I thought it was awesome because he got it. He got it. He knew. Yeah, these people really believe that. So, I, you know, did the, the, the fish swallow Jonah? Yeah, I, I believe the, the fish swallowed Jonah. And, uh, but if, if that's hard for you to believe, make an appointment for, with me this week because I got a whole lot of other things I'll tell you that are harder than this to believe that I believe as well, right? Um, so last thing, uh, uh, Tim Keller helped me with this. Uh, you cannot read Jonah without being reminded of Jesus's parable of the prodigal sons, right? Uh, the first two chapters, Jonah looks a lot like the younger son. He flees from God, goes away from God's purpose, disobeys, wants his own way, right? Uh, and then the second part of Jonah looks a lot like the righteous older brother who at the end of that parable is challenging the father for his grace to the younger brother that ran off, just as Jonah will say to God, this is why I didn't want to go in the first place, because you're always so gracious. Right? And so just as the older brother uh, and, the, and the prodigal son ends in a broken relationship with his father, it looks to me like this prophet of God ends in a broken relationship with his God. Because God asks him a question and we never hear his answer. So this is a sobering thing for us, right? I mean, it is, it is a, uh, um, it, 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 should, uh, it should stir us a little bit. Okay, and it should it should challenge us a little bit to think that this is the this is how wild and unpredictable and 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 uh, immeasurable the grace and the goodness and the patience of God is, because He continues to bear with in patience this man who knows Him, who speaks for Him, who boldly disobeys Him. Okay. So let's look a little bit at the, the, the very the text here, right? So, so what, we, what we have here is this, this statement, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go uh, to Nineveh. Now, we hear this, we don't know much. You probably don't think a lot about Nineveh. You probably didn't wake up this morning thinking, how about those Ninevites, right? So what you need to know is, is that Nineveh is the capital of the Assyrian Empire, probably don't know a lot about the Syrian empire. What you need to know about it is, out of all the empires who have ever been, they're probably the worst. The most violent, the most oppressive, they delighted in it. You can't, if you go and look at art and uh, um, uh, archaeology of the uh, Assyrians, there's a lot of uh, torture. There's a lot of things that the kings delighted in that they would hack off people's body parts. Uh, they would uh, eviscerate people uh, while they were still alive. I mean, they, did, they just did horrible things. And, and everybody, every, every human society does horrible things. But these guys did it, and they delighted in it, and they thought of creative ways to do more of it. 
And so here God, they, and they are, you know, religiously, they're as far away from worshiping the one true God as you can possibly imagine. Politically, they hate Israel, and they want to squash Israel, and eventually they will. And so God comes to this prophet who has prophesied a good word for the people of God there uh, in Israel, and he says to him, look, I need you to go and preach the word Call out to Nineveh because their evil's coming up to me. God doesn't say that they're not evil people. They're clearly evil. Maybe the worst of the worst. And yet God has a heart for them that he will send his prophet to go preach to them so that disaster can be averted, so that they can repent, to give them an opportunity to say, wait, you know, we need to, we need to turn. So we hear that and we think, well, of course, that's what missionaries do all the time. What would you do if I told you that God came to me this morning and told me, to get on an airplane and fly to Kandahar, Afghanistan, get off that plane, get my Bible, walk into that city and walk up and down the streets and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's crazy. You know what Kandahar, Afghanistan is? That is the spiritual and political home of the Taliban. That's where it got its start. Now, I think for most Americans, we think generally the Taliban's pretty bad, right? They seem to delight in being bad, right? And yet, what, what would it be like for God to come and say, you know what, you're going to go and you're going to go preach to them. When our kids were little, we, we had a million Bible books in our house. I mean, we, and some with really terrible theology and some that I'm like, you know, the one that stands out to me was, you know, when God thought Noah was better than everybody else. I'll never forget that, reading that to my kids. And I told Marty, I'm like, this book is going in the trash bin because we, yeah. Anyway, we had, we had Jonah. We had a little book of Jonah. It was actually the whole four chapters, the biblical text of Jonah, and it was beautifully illustrated. Jonah was a mouse and the Assyrians were cats, Right? <laughs> Right? And so the, the message in the illustration, not in the text, but the message in the illustration is the reason why Jonah didn't go to Nineveh is because he was afraid. I don't think that's in the text. I don't think Jonah was afraid. I don't think he liked it. But I don't think Jonah refused to go to Nineveh because, because he was afraid. Maybe, maybe he was afraid, but you know, Jonah, Jonah knows God. He, he, he doesn't think, oh, I'm mishearing God. He knows this is God speaking to him. God has spoken to him before. He's familiar with that. And he's like, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that. No. And it's not about fear. It's about knowing better. It's about knowing better. Right? I know, Nate, I'm all over the place. Um, and we hear that and we think, well, how could that be possible? We would never do that. Now, maybe, and think about this in two ways. One is, one of the things we think is that there are people, institutions, societies that are beyond the pale of God's grace and mercy. You have it. There are people that when you hear them speak, or you see them on the news, or you stream them or whatever, it makes your skin crawl, and you would delight to see God turn them into a sender there on the spot. You know who those are. We all have them. 
And so as you think about that, you think, okay, all right, I get that. You know what, Steve? Oh, it is Sunday. You say this to us every single week. I stink at this. I'm terrible at this. I still hate those people, but I'm going to try not to hate them as bad. Okay, that's good. That's progress. So, so, so the fact is, as we, as we think about that, as, as, you, as you unpack that a little bit, that, that's good. But that's really not that Jonah's doing that, but Jonah's doing something that we all do all the time. And that's this. God says this to us. God says this is the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by him. That's the truth. This Jesus is Lord, and he makes uh, direct statements to us, and we disobey them, knowing that we're disobeying them all the time. All the time, don't we? But not only that, God speaks to us and directs us by his providence, doesn't he, about the way he organizes and, and orders the events of our lives. And how many times this week have you said, you know what, God, that diagnosis, no, I reject that. You're, that you need to do a better job. That, that uh, loss of relationship there, no, I reject you, God. That, that is not the way things are supposed to be. You're not ordering my life that way. I have a better idea. I know better. Thanks for saving me. Thanks for being good to me. But let me go my own way. Jonah knows better. Now, as we'll read in chapter 4, he knows better because he thinks that God might be gracious. Because he knows. I mean, that's the real God. Jonah knows the real God. What's the nature of the real God is that, that his heart is, is full of mercy and grace. And so it's a dangerous thing. Maybe... maybe Maybe he'll be merciful and gracious, and I, I don't want that. I, I reject that. I want you to be merciful to the deserving. And if you need help with discerning who the deserving are, I'll tell you. Right? But here's the thing, and this is the thing that is so hard and so beautiful is that you and I live alone by mercy. The fact that we draw breath today, the fact that we are gathered here, the fact that we eat, the fact that we are in our right minds, the fact that we live, the fact that we hear the gospel preached to us, the fact that we know that Jesus Christ crucified is the only means to salvation because we know the heart of God. What we know is, is that this God is good and that he is merciful, and he is merciful to sinners. Because here's the thing, Jonah is you and me. We know better. We know the truth. We, we know the gospel. We know the reality of the grace of God. And, and, and how many times, how many times do we say, no, mm-mm, I'm not going to do that. You know, God, you said to, to get up and, and go east to Nineveh. I'm going to go to Tarshish, which is, um, and Tarshish is as far away as you can get from Nineveh and still be on the map. That's, that's what I'm going to do. So what's God going to do with this rebellious prophet? What's he going to do with you and me? Well, we might end up puked out on the seashore. 
(laughs) But he's for us. He loves us. He knows that about us. And he strives in his patience to remind us, to train us, and to teach us that at the heart of God is mercy. Would you pray with me? Lord, we we need a sense of this today. I pray that you would help us. Uh, We we struggle uh, to, uh, to believe. We struggle to submit, even to submit to your goodness and your mercy. And so I pray that you would help us Uh, Lord, it is uh, good to know that uh, you bear with people like us. It is good to know that uh, you have a heart for those that we love who live in Nineveh. It is good for us to know that you don't uh, desire to leave anyone without a witness to the truth, either Jonah or the Ninevites. Lord, the wonder and the mystery of it all is that uh, you are mindful, that you are warm and gentle, patient and kind to the undeserving. Lord, I pray that that would reorient us, that that would change us, that that would renew us today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So let's confess our sins by using this confession of sin that's uh, printed Uh, in the bulletin. Pray with me. Almighty God, you are full of grace and truth, but our faith is weak, and we have not understood your sovereign rule in our lives. We have occupied ourselves with our own concerns instead of submitting to your word. We have sought our own glory instead of obeying your law. We have not waited to find your will for us. We have been given to the fear of man and rocked by uncertainty. We have not noticed the needs of others around us. We have not trusted your favor. Father, forgive us for our sins against you. Lord Jesus, lead us to follow you as Lord. Grant us your Holy Spirit that your good hand might be upon us. Amen. Friends, hear these words of your loving Savior. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls.